You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold's recurring orders has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature, first, lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. So this lets you set up trial sizes, free samples, etc. And then they've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like the books, they offer you a free one. If you say it's too expensive, it automatically offers you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the Recurring Orders app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. Their most recent feature is the subscription buy button. That lets you sell your subscriptions directly with just a link. So it's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, etc. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can now manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in and then pause, skip, edit, update payment info, their address, swap products, add products, and more. They can just manage everything themselves. So it's a huge time savings for store owners because it means fewer customer requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business today, you could do that by going to boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions to check it out. That's boldcommerce.com slash subscriptions. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines. And it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. So I was saying that I think that um, this, you know, the, the fact that so many of the merchants on Shopify are really small and um, that they think that the launching of their website is the end goal when really in reality it's the first step out of the gate and all the hard work starts once the website launches, not when it's finished. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's our cold open. Hello and welcome to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording Live with Mr. Galen King out in, you are in New York. Where in New York are you, Mr. King? I'm in Manhattan. And that is certainly not a New York accent. Where are you transplanted from, sir? <laughs> I am from New Zealand, um, which is, well, I, I say I'm from New Zealand. I've lived for 25 years in New Zealand. I was actually, um, secret here is I was born in California, but um, my family moved to New Zealand 25, 25 something years ago, um, and that's what I, I 
do say I'm from now, and it gets a little bit confusing now that I'm back here in the U.S. So in the U.S., <laughs> you you have the Kiwi accent, and in New Zealand, they think you have an American accent, don't they? Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so you're a man without a country, is what's going it, on here. I, It feels like that at times. <laughs> uh, okay. So in the the last episode of, of the show, we talked to Chris Pointer from Pointer Creative, and he was – we had come to the agreement that, hey – Launch your store, figure figure your stuff out. But then, you know, when you, if you want down the road, if you want the ultimate brand experience, you need to go custom design and hire real designers and spend some serious coin on this. That was, but we really we had come to the agreement that this is down the road. This is not how you start with the store. So that leaves mm-hmm. anyone, you know, who is early in the process, going, well, what the heck do I do, right? And that's where you come in, Galen. And that you said, you know what, we want to. I want to teach people. I want Shopify merchants to understand how to think about staying lean, how to launch lean, how to stay nimble, how to grow fast. And I said, well, that, yeah. that's brilliant, and that that would work as a wonderful, um, uh, a wonderful follow up to the the episode we did with Chris. So, all right, you're running your agency. Your Shopify agency is what is its name? Uh, we're called Lucid. Um, both based mostly in New Zealand, uh, but building out a team in New York now. So there's three of us here and six in New Zealand. Um, yeah. And you may have started on Shopify before anyone else I know. When did you start with Shopify? Well, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I look back through emails. I've got emails from, I think Toby and someone else from 2007. But if I look at the Lucid site, which is built on Shopify, it says that it was launched in May, 2006. That's wild. So <laughs> It is wild. Um, yeah, so we were dabbling with it early, early, early on, and I remember we built a couple sites, one of which is still live with the, one of the themes from the time. Um, and then um, we kind of put it aside for a couple of years because it was so limited, and uh, we couldn't do a lot of things that we needed to do for clients, and then we picked it up with a vengeance, gosh, I don't know, five, six years ago, seven years ago. Um, and it's sort of now pretty much the bulk of what we do is Shopify. I think we we jumped on in 2010 or 2011, and that was like that was before the experts program existed, and we built, yeah. you know, always shooting for the moon and not being dumb kids and not knowing what we didn't know. Our very first project was, hey, let's build a custom, a cu- entirely custom theme for a store with a ton of products, and it was my my friend's local bike shop, Amling Cycle. And the crazy part is, the theme is still up. That same theme, <laughs> they're still using it. And it still converts. It's AmlingCycle.com if somebody wanted to check it out. And really, like, yeah, we've done a little bit, tweaked it like a couple of years ago to refresh it a little bit. But it, it holds yeah. up. It doesn't, you know, it it's starting to look a little it's amazing. Dead. But real, treme- like, that is way longer than any website has any right to be up <laughs> and look good. Yeah, we, we I know. And, and so one, one of the sites that we built, one of the first ones we built on Shopify is still up. And it's never been touched because the client is tiny in a small town in New Zealand. Um, they don't do anything on their website at all, and the website went unchanged for six years or something. And um, you know, I'm sure it's not doing a tremendous amount of sales, but it's still, you know, it's still tracking along and it still works. Um, so that's pretty remarkable, really. When they're on, and in fact, they're on the grandfather plans. So I don't think they even pay for their um, <laughs> store. They just pay the commission. <laughs> oh, jeez, impressive. Well, it's nice. Yeah. Well, at least good that Shopify honors that. Um, okay, yeah. so one of your Let's let's establish your authority here. You, we have a, a mutual client that I think is very big and interesting. Um, actually, true, I haven't done. We we're on good terms. I don't think I've done anything for them in like at least a year. Um, Jen's Hansen. 
Yen Tansen, yes, yep. And how, yeah, that's, um, tell me about yeah. it. Well, it, it ha- I have to um, laugh because um, several years ago, you and I laughed about this when I met you in person for the first time, I think, or last year when we were catching up, or maybe it was the year before Unite. But I was like, suddenly put a face on name, I'm like, oh, you're that guy. That, um, that <laughs> that's basically, never a good thing. When someone goes, oh, you're that guy. No, it was guy. a good thing. I'm like, it oh, It was shit. a good thing. But you, 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 I hadn't made the connection because obviously I didn't know who you were at the time. But many years ago now, um, they in, engaged this guy from the U.S. over Skype to do a teardown. And I remember um, just, you know, and I think I can't remember if we were in on the call. I don't think we were, but we watched we the video with them. You recorded it. Yeah. And so we watched it with him, with the client afterwards. Um, and it was super interesting and super useful. Um, and what, what just cracked me up is that, you know, at the time, there's just no context. You know, we were so far away, the bottom of the world. And the dish, like I said, was no Unite. Um, the community wasn't as tight. I think what I love about Shopify is just the camaraderie amongst partners, even though we're kind of all in the same space. Um, the pie is big enough to be sliced many ways. And, yeah, there's always been camaraderie, but now there's definitely more community. Um, and so, yeah, at the time, you know, we had no context of who you were. Um, or anything like that until I bumped into you. I was like, oh, gosh, you're that guy who did that. And it was awesome. And, um, and you know, that's inspired us. And we've been actually rethinking the idea of doing something. In fact, I'm launching it on this. I don't know if it's going to go on the show notes, but the initiative we've kicked off is the idea of kind of these conversations with clients to try and um, help them solve problems that um, inspired, I guess, by your teardowns. They might not be so kind of teardown per se, but, um, yeah, talking through the challenges it's people a, are having. Yeah, it's a strategy yeah. session. And the idea yeah. is to produce a roadmap for success. And with my teardowns, it, I mean, really it came out of doing, being in, um, um, well, I do this, we did this at a conference once. I was at a conference with a friend and he, they had two speakers who didn't show up. They had to fill time. And he goes, Hey, what if we just had some, we asked people to volunteer their sites and then we would kind of, we would, we'd pick them apart. Um, in like as a, as a 40 minute set. I said, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And like yep. when you're you're ripping apart someone's baby, you have to make it fun. <laughs> so we try to make it like it, we tried to be yeah. funny about it, and it worked. And then we knew it was a thing that we needed to offer to clients. But when multiple people came up to us afterwards and goes and say and asked, "How do you learn how to do that?" and we're like, "Learn how to do what?" <laughs> like we just talked about it, but really, like you're seeing the result of all this experience and intuition. But I think really what goes on, like ultimately. No matter how great the site is, when you own it, you spend more time on it than any other person. So you quickly yep. – and this happens to me too with my own site, with my agency site and any other thing is, well, you can't see the forest through the trees. So you need that fresh set of eyes to come in and go, all right, this is – here's here's what's going on here. Exactly. And um, I think what's interesting though is you know many, many clients, particularly the growth ones, they – they don't know what they don't know, but they also are aware of what they don't know. And so they aren't super precious about being given feedback and they really value it. And they, you know, there is, they know that it's constant iteration. And I guess this is kind of the broad topic of, um, of what I thought would be interesting to talk about today. And I think it's kind of funny that, um, cause I think it's a coincidence that you were clearly talking about this with Chris in the previous episode, which isn't live yet. And I didn't know that, but it seems like it obviously quite a good follow on, um, is is just that that we are seeing a, a rapid shift in how merchants are building and launching and evolving and and the shift is that they are launching lean and quick and then you know realizing now and and putting value on the trial and error of what e-commerce is about constant experimenting 
Oh, that that's brilliant. I think we now we have the we have the title of the episode now is launching lean and quick. I am typing yeah. it in right now. <laughs> launching lean and quick. We we have to start somewhere. Do you feel it's best? Do you build from scratch um, to get that amazing custom brand experience? Do you start with a free theme, a premium theme, a third party marketplace theme? Where do I begin? Oh, good question. Um, so I think it depends. Um, on the, the store, is it their first launch or their relaunch or their replatform? So um, I think if it's a, a, a mom and pop kind of business who is launching, you know, they're selling jam or, you know, screen printed cushions or crafts or something, they're coming from a kind of maybe they're coming from Etsy. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they have a following or they or often they don't even have it. They just have an idea. I think absolutely go with the bare minimum. It does like it doesn't have to be a paid theme even. The free themes are great. Having said that, the free themes lack the kind of emotion um, and the storytelling and the visual elements that some of the more advanced themes have. So those limitations in our minds as an agency, um, we prefer the, three, the free themes. We build almost everything on debut now um, because it is well built and we don't have to rip stuff out. We can add in what we need to and we have sort of a lot of a growing sort of resource of code snippets we can reuse. So what we're finding is the more advanced themes, they're great. So yeah, my, my, probably my recommendation is for, if you really are trying to do it yourself, you would probably struggle with a paid theme, because uh, a free theme, because it does lack a lot of that sort of get it for free kind of um, the functions of, of the more um, advanced themes. And I well, think let that... Me, um, let me push back on that. Let me reframe it. Hmm. I enjoy the... F Sometimes I... There is a freedom in the limitations of the free themes. Like my, you said your favorite the free theme is debut. I agree, the debut is great. Uh, my favorite free theme is venture. I have gone so far as to take some of the layout and design elements from venture and work those into other themes, even like paid custom themes, because I yeah. was so enamored with the way they do carousels and featured collections. I thought it was very cool in venture. Um, yeah. The but you're right, it's very limited. I mean, there's so much that so that's a good, like Turbo can yeah. do that Venture can't. And there's a really cool example of a Venture theme and what you could do with it I did for Rockblocks, mm -hmm. sells mud flaps. I'll link to that. Um, but it involved quite a there, there's quite a bit of customization done to the theme to make it work. So like it's yeah. a double-edged sword. Fewer options means you're not tearing your hair out with it. More op but if you want, there are things that you just flat out can't do without customizing it. Rebuttal. So maybe, yeah, good, good point. And you know, maybe it actually really has nothing to do with whether it's free or not. It's just that there's a limited number of free themes. And so I think, but Venture is a great example of maybe what I'm talking about. So if you look at Adventure, it's got it's quite um, highly opinionated about the design. Um, and so you know, it, it's very prescriptive with the way um, I'm just looking at it now. So the way um, the the, the the banners are laid out and the text and the way it's colored. Um, and so for me as a designer and a minimalist, um, I find that that, you know, I would, it's, it's fine if you, you know, you want to go in that direction, but if you want to take that all away, it's actually a lot of bloat to remove. Um, so it's, it's a tough one. And so whereas debut is extremely minimalist, which appeals to my minimalism. Um, and if we want to add a slider, that's trivially easy to do, um, but we don't have to add a lot of design. So it's kind of, you're right, it's a double-edged sword, and it's, it's, there's no real one-size-fits-all. And maybe um, what your question was sort of more framing is, um, do we, or, or going back to your question, it was, do we start with a, um, 
a theme, whether it's paid or not, or do we custom build? And I will just say before I go into that more, because um, you alluded to in your question is, you know, Shopify theme store or theme forest or other marketplaces, absolutely 100%, I would say, stick with Shopify themes yes. that are on the Shopify theme store. Yes. Um, I cannot stress this enough. Um, we have had clients who insisted on theme forest because they liked the look of it and they regretted it, we regretted it. And now as a result, um, we actually have a project that's kicking off or wanting to kick off at the moment and they insist on a theme from theme forest. And I said to the team, let's just push back and say, actually, we won't do it. Um, we're not even going to do it if they understand the limitations because even if they say they do now, they're going to be frustrated in three months or six months when they're, we're just spending all our time and money fixing technical debt. So yeah, Shopify themes are vetted and they, you know, that definitely is a huge benefit of getting them through the theme store on Shopify. Yes. I have had, we, we went down the same road where it's like, Oh, the, you know, the client has this third party theme from a, you know, from theme forest and not to shit on theme forest. Like I, Certainly, especially my WordPress day, day has got some good stuff from Theme Forest. Oh, it's amazing. But like, for sure. yeah. Which is why when the first time it happened, I said, all right, well, well sure. Mm-hmm. You've got a theme in mind. You already picked one. Let's, if you're happy with it, let's, let's use that. We'll do that. And the thing was a mm-hmm. nightmare to the point like it's just bugs and stuff that's broken and things that I have never seen in a free theme, Shopify theme, like not even close. It was absurd. Yeah. You're like, what yeah. is this mess? So I figured, you know, like we had a bad, one bad egg. So the next time one yeah. rolls around, I said, oh, yeah, you got one. All right, let me check the reviews. Oh, they look good. Okay, let's use that. Yeah, Same yeah. thing <laughs> every time. Yeah. Now, there is yeah. one weird exception in here. Turbo is not in the Shopify theme store. Oh, good. So, okay. that's you've re- Yeah, interesting. I've been thinking about this lately because we have, we've had several themes in the theme store over the years. We had the pretty much only mobile-only theme when Shopify did that before responsive was a thing or a what big thing. What was it called? And Lucid Mobile. Okay. <laughs> And it, it was pretty big. It did well for us for a while because it was the only dedicated mobile theme when you when most themes weren't responsive. And there's honestly probably still websites that have it running, and they still, you know, and we and Lucid One was our other big theme. We still get inquiries from time to time saying, "Oh, it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that. Can you fix it?" And it's like two years ago it was pulled from the theme store because it wasn't <laughs> being maintained, and and they expect this, you know, it to be still maintained and updated. But I digress. What I was going to get at is that we we we're kind of we're in the process of building out. Um, the next version of our open source project, which we sort of let go a long time ago called Bootstrapify. And we're kind of rekindling that, which is an open source framework theme that kind of, you know, not too opinionated with design, but has, you know, it's a building block for building out sites and building out themes. And, you know, we've been thinking about, you know, do we want to launch a theme again, um, knowing how hard it is and how hard it is to actually make money. Um, but, but what's interesting is also thinking, well, maybe it's not, you know, so maybe it's not in the theme store. Maybe that's not the place. And what Turbo has done, so I think in some ways, I, I should probably step back at what I said earlier. I've only get them from Shopify theme store. I think when you when you were just talking about theme forest, it made me think maybe. What I was going to ask you: Do you think this is because, if anything, what we should be distinguishing is that the themes on the Shopify theme store are built by generally well-regarded Shopify partners who have been part of the scene for a long time. And in terms of the workarounds, and you know, the reality is we're building. Oh, there's always workarounds and hacks and stuff in the themes. They're they're kind of using best practice for that. And maybe that's more important to understand is like how experienced are they in Shopify or are they simply porting a theme from WordPress and, you know, doing just enough to make it work on Shopify, which I think is probably what you'd find more in ThemeForest. That's a good um, point. That is probably what's going on. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. said on Twitter once and like some people pushed back on me, but I said the um, like Shopify is very easy to pick up. You can get on it and be like 80% good at it. But to really yeah. be proficient at it, there are so many 
odd little like workarounds and hacks and t- just tiny things that make it yep. much, much better. I'm not saying these are broken things. I'm saying there are things, there are tricks and things that experienced people have yep. found that's like, all right, this makes it way better that you really need to like, you need to cut, if you're doing front end development work, especially, you got to cut your teeth doing like maintenance and customization and support requests on just yep. whatever comes in the door for, I do, yeah. you know, for at least, at least, uh, you know, do, do like a dozen and then suddenly you'll be proficient at it. Um, yep. it, it, and we're seeing the next generation of Shopify so-called experts coming through now. Um, and I'm, we pick up and I'm sure you do too, picking up the pieces from this where clients come and they've had a site built by a so-called expert who had no idea what they were doing. Um, and it, it's heartbreaking to see how much money they've spent, um, on, you know, and you get in there and it's just a pile of spaghetti. And you, it's just unmanageable, unmaintainable, unextendable. Um, and yeah, because yeah, so you're absolutely right. This has been always been the process for us and our team. They, they cut their teeth doing tweaks and fixes and, you know, sort of laundry list stuff. So it sounds like a while. the answer then is if you are starting out, do not build from scratch unless you are absolutely familiar with Shopify, what you need. And like, this is not your first rodeo on Shopify. You will do yourself the favor. And start with, yeah. Start with a, a theme, an approved yeah. official theme from Shopify, or at least, you know, in the case of Turbo, we'll say a developer that has at least one oh. approved theme, right? Um, Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Shout out Brad yep. Miller out of the sandbox. Uh, if I had my soundboard working today, I would say ding ding for that plug. But the okay. uh, <laughs> oh yeah, um, I mean, and you know, there's good reason that um, that you know Jonathan uh, Kennedy's announced recently that you know they store taskers preferred to the theme developers. Pixel Union and um, out of the sandbox, you know, extremely well built. They they and extremely well supported, and they know their themes. They know what they've done and where how it's done, and they kind of there's a sort of common, um, I guess, style across them and things like that. So, yeah, that's um, yeah. I think the bottom line, the conclusion, and the, the long winded way we've been going about it is that when you're starting out, it honestly, I think, if anything, it's almost more important to sort of stress that it doesn't matter too 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 much. Um, it, what, what matters is how far you think you have to push it and, and customize it when you launch. And, and this is what we see is that especially new clients will come and they'll have this huge list of requirements that they think they, that they have to do. This, this has to be moved by two pixels that way. And this has to be that color. And that has to be that color. And none of that really matters if you have no market, yes. no audience. Oh, I could hug you for that. <laughs> yeah, you, that is yeah, – and it's you – know, we push back on it, but they – we, yeah, when we when I see that happening, I push back on it. I go, why don't you just launch it and see what happens? Like, let yeah. just launch it. And they're like, no, 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 it doesn't look exactly right. We need oh, like this yeah, has exactly. to get tweaked here. And then then they find they're like, well, I found this thing on a competitor site. We have to add that. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah, just launch, launch it. And honestly, <laughs> I think like so when they start doing this, when they're rearranging deck chairs, it's because they're scared. That if like, yeah. well, if I launch it, and what happens if we launch it and it doesn't work out? It's like, well. Then you learn from it. Then you pivot. Then you you do something else. You you see where you're at, what you learned, and and pick yourself up, dust your shoulders off, and start again. Um, and it's better if you did that with a limited budget than spending your entire budget um, tweaking and you know to the nth degree, and it still won't work because you haven't done any marketing. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that's the scariest. When they're like, I got this product, and I want to yep. launch it on Shopify. All right, how big's your list? And they're like, what? I'm like, oh no. Yep. <laughs> All right, go. So ahead. we um start yeah. Right now. So interesting. So we've started um, for quite a long time. We 
had been building into all our proposals a, an ongoing budget. Um, and, and it was kind of a guideline that they could choose. So our, our, our SOWs um, are, they have options. SOW. Yeah, statement of work, which I didn't use that term a lot much until about a year ago, but now it's oh, really? become, and, and well, yes, I don't know if it's a thing that's not used in New Zealand, but, um, or it's more of a kind of bigger agency technical term. Um, but, but interestingly, um, to, we, we had started quite a while, well, in the last year or so, um, really moving away from lengthy proposals full of poetic wording to <laughs> SOWs that you basically, that bullet point what we're doing and then have yeah. the allocation. Yes. Yeah, like what you've been talking about. So it's funny, when you were talking about that the other day with Shopify, I was like, that's exactly what we've really been shifting towards over the last six months. Yeah, when you start, you think you need to produce this elaborate, polished proposal and send it and do a presentation with it. No, no, no. Because they don't you, read it. No. And, and that they go, they're going to open it, skip straight to the price, and go, yes, no. Yeah. So the thing exactly. to really do is have a conversation about your goals exactly. and how to get there. And that's to your much earlier your earlier point is like that's the advantage to those roadmaps to tear those in conversations is you were having a dialogue about what the merchant actually needs. And then the proposal is just, hey, I recapped and summarized in bullet point form what we discussed. Exactly. Can you just look over that and make sure I got it right? Right? Like that. And that's right. I don't need a big the, polished PDF. Yeah. If you want to understand our process, it's on our website. Uh, but honestly, if they don't already know they want to work with us or have a good idea they want to work with us, then they, we won't, you know, there's no point in really sending an SOW either. And because we, 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 we just don't do the hard sell. It's got to be a good mutual fit. Yes. And so it is a conversation. And the, the SOW, the proposal, is the next step of that conversation. Um, and what I was starting to say is that we put in, we, for quite a long time, we put in at the bottom a ongo recommended ongoing budget. We've actually changed that, um, thanks to Ross and you, um, is we are now calling it a recurring flex fund. Um, recurring flex fund. That's very good. Yeah, I called it. Yeah, Ross is the one who taught yeah. me how to teach. <laughs> so how to, the, I, he's like, I was like yeah, it, yeah. So the idea is just it, it's a retainer, it's a maintenance ag agreement, and he said we call it a flex fund because it is a flexible block of hours. You could use it for whatever you want, but it's there so that we don't. You know, it, if you don't have a an agreement in place and you've got a five minute thing, you have a quick question. It's for, like it 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 ends up in an awkward place. Like nothing, no matter how well scoped out it is with the web, especially for new, actually for anybody launching, they have not anticipated all the things that need to be done. And so the yeah, so so why we why we do a recurring? We put it in there. We we almost never incur. Uh, we we certainly never push anybody to sign a recurring agreement, and we often talk them out of it. But we put it in there so that they set the expectation that they absolutely need to be budgeting ongoing work. And so um, that, that that the website going live is the first step. <laughs> And there is a tremendous amount of ongoing work that needs to be on the website, but also, like, if they have a limited budget, I'd be saying just launch lean. The you know that's the bottom line here, and don't touch the website and start putting all your energy, time, money, anything, all your resources if you've got limited resources into storytelling, marketing, audience building. So when you're it's, saying, it's, all right, so you're saying early on, hey, start with that free theme because it is going to be it's it's going to save enough. you money. It's going to be yeah. faster to get it get to market, yeah. and then you can focus yeah. on what's important, and that's brand building. Yeah. And that's what, like, and you're yeah. saying storytelling and building an audience. Really, like, we can lump all that into brand building and validating exactly. it. It's like, all right, now take that and reinvest it into growing the company. And you want a great example of what happens when you are constantly just reinvesting in your own company is uh, Bold Apps in Winnipeg. Aren't they, I th yeah. They're huge. They're, they're winning awards. They've got hundreds of employees now. 
And the the principals, the owners of that company, are certainly they're not they are not living high on the hog intentionally. And I'm, I'm I was hassling Jay when the last time I, I saw him in person, Jay Myers from Bulldabs. I'm like, just come on, spend some money on yourself, man. Peel off a little bit. He's like, no, no, no. We have to keep investing in the company. Well, that when you do that over year, like just over years, that's what happens is you build these just tremendous business growth so engines. Super um, good word that you've used there <laughs> is the invest. And I think that you will have seen this over the years. I think the attitudes are shifting now, but certainly five, ten years ago, um, people thought that their website was a cost and that, that <laughs> it's kind of laughable, really. But that's how they that's how they look at, oh, I have to spend more money on this. Oh, and they were they would spend their money on an agency reluctantly. Oh, yes. how much yeah. is this going to cost? Whereas it's an investment, okay? We know that, right? But but to, to really help people see that, and what you're saying is it's really interesting. And so it's like, so using, uh, you know, where do you reinvest? So as you start making money, where are you going to spend it? Are you going to spend it on, on, on a whim on making the, the buttons green instead of orange? Or are you going to spend it on building, you know, if you're getting a good return on your Facebook ads, then, you know, are you going to increase that? Are you going to try this new thing? Are you going to start A-B testing? Or, you know, so, so it's where are you going to spend it where you're going to get a multiple multiplied res- return on that spend? That's, I'm those seeing, are the I love that idea. Well, you're really, like, a lot of people tell me, you're kind of overwhelmed. There's just too much good stuff out there. I don't know where to yeah. spend my time and money, my resources yeah. on what to do next with this and how to scale my business. And I'm seeing yeah. an increase in – We have I have uh, talked with, bid on, worked on several projects lately where the key point of contact was not an employee of the client's organization. It was a consultant brought in just to deal with and figure out how to prioritize these online things. And yeah. that's kind of an interesting shift where it's like so we're man, doing suddenly more and this more. is so important yeah. that we're going to hire yeah. a guy just to hire the right people to take care of it. Oh, so that, amazing. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny you say that, though, because um, so we have now on our team a digital strategist, which is really exciting for us. But what has been interesting for me is is really being, I guess, disciplined about our purpose and the goals of our strategy. And I think what, you know, I have a, a real hate of strategies that, big strategies that are created that sit on a shelf and collect dust. Um, you know, so what we are, we're trying to come up with a better way of talking about it. We're calling them either a, an executable strategy. <laughs> um, and basically it's the, the philosophy is that we are, we're thinking two and a half steps ahead. We're always got a, bit, a big picture vision, but we're only strategizing the next one and a half, two and a half steps at a time because it changed and that's the nimble part the e-commerce changes so fast and what we saw five even like a year ago two years ago people would plan out they would spend you know let's say it was a really big project um is they was you know if we're if you're really you know starting to build bigger you know working with bigger clients you might you know you might be lucky to land a fifty eighty thousand dollar build but then and they'd have this huge strategy right and they build it all out meticulously planned and the reality is it takes ages to launch <laughs> because it's so much work so much has to go into it Meanwhile, everything's changing. And this is honestly this topic of, of this conversation that we're having now. It's not motivated just by new stores. It's actually we are seeing a shift with really high growth stores, too, where they um, they're maybe second time Shopify um, businesses for entrepreneurs who have already had success online. They have money. They've exited. Um, but what they they know that they have to be nimble and quick and lean. And so they're actually they're well um you know, they're well experienced in the space, but they even, you know, they have probably plenty of money. They might have VC funding or whatever. They're going, nope, we want to launch for 25 grand. And then, and then, but it'll probably be a hundred thousand dollar project over the next 12 months. 
but it's they're just launching lean and then iterating. And you know, it's like we just need we just need to go live, and then we're gonna we're gonna hammer you know social media and you know message out there, building a following, building a community, um, you know, lifestyle imagery, authentic content, all this sort of stuff. But they're launching lean, and then you kind of once you you kind of hit the ground running, and then you just start working on it. Yes. And that's I think exciting. that's the important point to stress here is no one is saying start with a free theme and that's good enough, stay that way. What we're saying oh, yeah, is no <laughs> move fast. And the solution is if you don't have a store up, what's the fastest way? Grab a free theme, go. Validate the idea. Once you're there, okay, do and we no, move to a premium theme and yeah. cust- do we customize that premium yeah. theme? Do like do we well, at the same time are we building a custom theme? There's all kinds of um all kinds of things in here. Yeah. And ultimately like it comes down to two points. One, iterate. Whatever you have now, you are not stuck with. The web is incredibly uh easy to work with now. So yeah. that you're yeah. not you're, nothing you do is going to stay that way long term. So iterate, revise, iterate, revise. Like that's that is the way to grow. Um, maybe that's yeah. Let me go back to maybe that's good. Maybe that maybe what you're saying is good advice for those people who, are, which is pretty much everybody starting out. And you know we're all overwhelmed in different ways with all the stuff we don't know and where to start. And I think that when you're launching a store on Shopify, um, and you are just completely yeah, you can't see the forest through the trees, and you just don't know what to do next. Is this is why this method is is so much more I think effective because you basically start with it's good enough. You put your energy into your messaging, your storytelling, your imagery, but you don't have to go and custom build the whole thing and spend you know because you're 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 think over processing everything yes. and it's it that is overwhelming. Whereas if you launch, then you actually start because there's so much to learn and especially many of these amazing businesses are doing a lot of it themselves. Even these really big ones, we you know we've got five million dollar a year turnover businesses that have tiny teams and founder led, you know, amazing. You know, and they're doing just a lot of it themselves. Is the the the, the more per, the more you just go step by step, you don't have to try and solve all the problems at once when you start lean and stay nimble because you can then just start tweaking and adjusting the settings, changing things, you know, getting somebody to come in and just tweak this or that, but not trying to kind of guess what's going to be perfect because it's never perfect. Let me ask you, all right, in in 10 seconds or less, how far ahead should merchants plan and strategize post-launch? I always say, what's your plan for um, launch, then post-launch, then three months, six months, and 12 months. So it's kind of stretching it out, thinking though. So, so you are thinking, you know, the year, but you're break, you're, you're saying, you know, immediately three months, six months, 12 months. What is, what is yeah. your goal? 12 months is a long time. Let's break that up into, let's break that glacier into and, ice cubes. I like, and so yeah, for, for yeah 12 I like months, uh, I 12 that weeks I want, in one month yeah. is good, good numbers. Go ahead. But, but I, so I think you're, you're still thinking six and 12 months, but, but what you're thinking about is extremely high level. Like I want a hundred thousand dollars turnover by 12 months that's it you know not oh i want um i'm going to add this and add this by then it's like just a very high level you know big hairy audacious goal is your you know at 12 or 24 months you're not planning anything but at that point yet you're just kind of you're aiming somewhere so you're down pointing the road i need to know <laughs> where i'm going i need to know what the horizon looks like so that's i've got just a broad stroke goal and then my near-term I, stuff this is so i like this idea that's what i do um then it's, it can even be like sometimes it's helpful to just have an arbitrary made up goal. So the one I used to use, I just in my head, I go, I want to buy a Porsche 911. And I knew what that cost. And I never bought one. I didn't really have any intention to. Um, but it was <laughs> yeah. good to have that goal in your head, in my head. Yeah. And then you because yeah. when you have that 12 month goal, then when you're making decisions for the month, for the week, for today, you ask yourself every time, does this get me closer or further to my 12 month goal? 
Yeah. Because you don't want to have a to-do list that is clogged up with stuff that's got dates starting in 12 months, right? And it's just always on your, your backlog. So that's why I think your, your, your long-term goals are, are, are the big ones, you know, just broad broad overarching umbrella goal kind of things whereas the immediate in the in the you know post launch you need to have a to-do list of stuff to do for the first month you probably have a growing laundry list of things you know and up and you know up until the third month it's starting to peter out and then beyond that it's bigger high level stuff like you know start a new initiative in marketing start you know change you know whatever new photo shoot etc you know so it's kind of it's condensed in the immediate and you're always looking you know looking ahead all right so the let me ask you uh you used an interesting phrase in there. You've talked about brand story, and you've talked about like authentic storytelling. What mm. the heck do you mean? I've seen and I've heard it thrown around a lot. Like, how does that fit into? How does that fit into this nimble, quick framework? What does it yeah. mean, and how does it fit in? Yeah, good, good question. Um, and so, I think you know, I, I'm always a little bit reluctant to use these catchphrases, and I, I certainly is something I'm using more as this authentic storytelling. Um, authentic imagery, um, and, and when I say storytelling, it's a, you know you, you certainly hear sort of more old school um, business leaders will say you know they don't like the word story, you know they they want to know it's content right, <laughs> but it's not. It's got to have emotion. It's got to have an yes. authentic nature to it. And it, so we use the word storytelling pretty loosely. It's it's the words, but it's also the images. You're, you know, often it's a visual storytelling um, that we're, we're focusing on. And when I say authentic, I mean, you know I think this is becoming increasingly widespread, but for years, I've said, you know, engaging an agency um, to go and write your content um, or to write your, or to do, well, let's say, let's step back. To, 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 if, you're, if you're new and you, you are passionate about your business um, and you go and engage somebody to be your voice on social media uh, or, or particularly a, you know, an agency with a big team, um, it's going to be hard for it to not be contrived, especially if your budget is extremely tiny and they don't have time to do their, you know, thorough research and discovery to kind of become your voice. So, Creating an authentic message is really, really hard um, because you can't just sort of farm it out to somebody. And so, um, what we, you know, trying to encourage is um, is that for people to use their voice, um, and then eventually, obviously, as you grow, is to engage people and agencies and others to extend your voice, to, but to keep it real. And you, because I think consumers are we're bombarded with <laughs> with with imagery and content and advertising messages that in the past were being pushed at you, telling you what to do. Now I think we're you know in the certainly in the lifestyle and gadgets and sort of you know consumer market it's it's people engage with brands that they can align with and that they feel like they can aspire to be like and that's where that authentic storytelling starts to come in. Yes, I think in the the past the traditional message was, hey, we've got this thing, it's going to increase your status, and if you don't buy it, you're a piece of shit. And you're like, oh okay, thanks, yeah. right? Good. Um, and like, and you, and if you don't buy this, you hit your family and your house will burn down. Like there's always there's stuff like that versus now yeah. it's because you can have these, these very niche micro brands. They're all, they're very much like, Hey, I'm the ones that work, I think anyway. And the ones we hear from on the show are, Hey, I'm a real person. I had this real pain or problem in my life. I knew the existing solution sucked. I thought I could do better. And I think I did. So here I, I made the product. You could, you know, you could buy it or not. Um, and that's the stuff that works and- really well. And it's more nimble too, actually, to use that term again, um, is that, you know, shorter videos, more spontaneously filmed, not highly staged, you know, even yes. um, photo shoots, depending on the brand, um, more spontaneous photo shoots that you can afford to do more often. Like we have some small clients who have beautiful, beautiful products, um, but they're struggling to get an audience and they're, and they're, and they're spending a tremendous amount of money on highly stylized photo shoots no. with models. And, you know, when the reality is, 
it, you can't, you're not nimble, right? So you spend all your money on this, the next shoot. And then what do you do, right? Instead of going, okay, let's, let's, let's just change the tone a little bit and make it more spontaneous. Okay. Maybe we're shooting direct to Instagram for the next season. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, what are ways we can create an authentic story to build, you know, build a, a movement around this brand without having to make it all too planned out because yeah, you need to be quick. You need to change. You need to be ready to evolve. And if it's all, if you spend a lot of money on a big, big upfront. So whether it's your theme or your design or your branding or your photo shoot, you kind of lack that agility if you kind of front load it too much. I, I love it. And it sounds like that's the content, the message, the story. That's the thing that matters way more so that you could build the brand and sell the product and grow the business. That matters way more early on than the design. I love design. I think design is important. I want everyone to have a perfect polished oh, site. for sure. But I know that <laughs> is not practical or realistic. And what consistently blows me away is I'll get – I have discovered it is extremely difficult to just look at a site and go, oh, yeah, that does well. Because I've got – some of these <laughs> totally, plus yeah. brands, like there are quite a few of these plus brands we'll work with, and they'll you – know, we, I worked on one. It had a 19% add-to-cart rate. It had an unbelievable – I mean, they were doing um, like mid-six figures monthly. No problem. It was a family business. And I couldn't believe it because the store did – it didn't look that good. Like you really had no idea. But then when you get into the brand, it's authentic and real and there's a story and like that's why. And it, I had one re- recently that um, they – they approached us about some special customizing to be done with, um, we've been doing a lot more subscription type stuff. Um, it's becoming, you know, obviously everyone's chasing the holy grail of recurring revenue. Um, that's a topic for another completely separate conversation. Monthly recurring but, um, revenue, yeah. Every, I want it, I love it, it but yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't work as well as necessarily as well as people like to think it does because people are getting fatigued with subscriptions. Um, yeah, but anyway. Inventory of our, no, was, no, we won't go down that rabbit hole. All right. That's another topic, I think, because it is an interesting one. Um, and, but, but what was interesting with this was that, and this is a good example of design. So I'm obviously, design is, is what I love as well. And um, intentional simplicity and minimalism is, is you know, uh, I'm very passionate about it. But um, I realized sometimes good enough is good enough. And what happened recently is that we were looking at the site and I had all these, kind of a teardown, you know, on the phone, sort of spontaneously, all these observations like, oh, let's, we need to change this. And the messaging doesn't make sense. And the, the flow doesn't make sense. And then I looked at the conversion rate and they had like a 20% conversion rate. Yeah, and I was like, that's why I don't start pay I, anything. We need to. You got. You just don't have enough traffic. Let's work on the traffic. Like, what can we? I mean, the website does need improvements, but whatever it is, you, your customers who are coming are converting at the moment. So let's focus on growing the audience, and then we'll get better, meaningful, more meaningful measurements of once the audience starts growing. Obviously, the conversion rate will drop because it's less focus. Focus, yeah. but it was super interesting to me. I was like, wow. Yeah, okay, absolutely. That's how I always start with. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Tell me, like, I know what I want to change on the site. I know it's low-hanging fruit, but, you know, t- give me those, those key figures. Give me the three sale, uh, the three conversion sales funnel numbers. Give me you know, your, your traffic, and I can read those tea leaves. And, you know, based on that, I know, okay, here's, here's where the, the barrier is. Here's where we can – here's the bottleneck to your growth. Um, yeah. And I always want to know those first because, you like, the site – you can make all kinds of recommendations, but if it's a site that's converting at 20%, you have to go, well, maybe we should like just yes. freeze it. Do not mess with it. <laughs> um, On the flip side, I've got some people, I've, brands I've worked with that are exceptionally popular, huge following, and they have a conversion rate of like half a percent to 1%. Yeah, and that's always but frustrating. Where you're problem. like, oh, you're doing everything yeah. right. Why? <laughs> 
and it could be like drive-bys. There's so many reasons. Um, but then, okay. I, honestly, I think it can be the flip side that they don't put enough into the conversion optimization. They, it's all spent on storytelling and marketing, and nothing spent on the website. This happens too. <laughs> that's the flip side. Yeah. That is not. That does not work. So it's, because it's then about achieving. No investment. Yeah, it's about achieving yeah. a balance. So if I'm it's launching good. a site for the first time, absolutely yeah. first time, it sounds like it does not need to be polished or perfect, and. I think minimalism is a way out. If you are not amazing with design and you don't have a ton of content, well, a minimal clean site always looks good. Mm-hmm. And there's so much yeah. less to go wrong there. It's just like, all right, let's yeah. let's appreciate the use of white space here um, and we'll have a clean, pretty site. And it yeah. kind of gives you a clean slate to grow on. Like it's never going to look weird if you go from you minimal and then kind of develop the brand over time. That's what I'm getting here. So let me Absolutely. ask, uh, I'm assuming you agree, but let me ask you, the broad question, quickly, we're running out of time here. How important is design? Oh, well, I mean, design, I think design is critical, but it is in the in the scope of the broader. Design is a mechanism for several things. Like at the end of the day, the website is selling your product. So uh, the, in my mind, the website design should be in some ways unobtrusive in that um, it helps you get around. It helps you find what you're looking for. It leads you where... We know, you know, the merchant knows you need to go or wants you to go. Um, but the design, like, I think this is probably the, the crux of it is many people think that it's all about the web design. In my mind, the web design is you almost don't want to know it's there. I mean, when you have yes. a book, you don't think about the design of the spine and the cover and that you have to use your thumbs to open it. You just do it. And a website, I think um, we, we shouldn't have to, like, point people to, you know, explicitly to what they have to click on, where they have to go. Like, it just it has to just be there. So design is vital in that sense. But it's almost stepping back and going, how do we? And and so it has to be thoughtful design. Um, it's 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 and it's around the, how do we get the story across, the messaging across, the user experience across, w- with the minimal design. <laughs> right, and we're coming back to then we're we're coming back to some some key tenets of web design, which is content first, content informs design. Figure out the content, then figure out a design that will let that content shine, whether that's your story or video or photos, um, and the really beautiful, amazing sites. Oftentimes, I think those can be a distraction. It could be over-designed. Um, when I'm like sitting there going, wow, look at that animation. How do they do that? Well, I know it's over-designed because I'm not appreciating the product or the brand. Exactly. I'm just like, yeah, damn, that's so, a good yeah, like, CSS. <laughs> and then I pass it you know, to like, my partner, yeah, Paul, and I'm not like, a fan of this pa- off. Parallax, yeah, yeah. You know, parallax for the sake of it um, or, or a gratuitous scrolling animation for the sake of oh. it. You know? Yes. You know, so what ends up happening, people just scroll up and down, up and down. Oh, cool. Look at this. Look at this. And then they go somewhere else. The scr- yeah, it's scroll jacking. Oh, my God. I'm glad that <laughs> that's going away. Okay. So final question, Galen. What if someone is launching their site for the first time on Shopify, they're a merchant, what should they focus on? <laughs> uh, in, a, in, a, in a single answer, I don't know. But I would say that, um, you know, off the top of my head, it's, it's getting live <laughs> is the focus. Um, making sure that they have a product that people want. Um, so drop shipping, don't even get me started on the whole, this whole sort of, you know, just, just finding something and just selling it because you want to have a store. Like it, it's emotion. At the end of the day, I think that's what the focus should be on. What is the emotion? What is the, what is the problem they're trying to solve? Um, it kind of, um, I was listening to your talk with Nathan about, um, you know, finding things that you can identify with. You know, at the end of the day, if you're selling something that you believe in or are passionate about, it makes it much easier to tell an authentic story. Um, and because that just comes naturally. So I would say if you're launching for the first time, try and, you know, hopefully we're talking to people who are, 
to or really have an idea that they really want to take to market rather than just finding something to sell online. Um, if we're talking to them, I'd say you, you know, it's focus on design, on storytelling, on building your audience and your customer base, building a community and a brand, an identity around your brand, a com- community around your brand or a movement. Um, and, and so, yeah, and, and think of you know, the website and the design and the build is those are kind of, um, they're sort of tools to get your story across. So the, the website itself is not the end the launch of the website is not the end goal. That's the very start of the journey. That is beautiful and a perfect place to stop. It's not the end goal. It's the start of the journey. Galen, thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> Before we go, I wanted to tell you about our friends at Zapiet who helped make this episode possible. Have you ever wanted to offer local pickup in your store? Or how about scheduled local deliveries? Zapiet's easy-to-use app helps thousands of merchants do just that offer store pickup and delivery to their Shopify customers right in their store. They've just launched a massive update that adds a ton of new features. To learn more about it and start your 14-day free trial and get 10% off if you stick with it, head to zapiet.com slash podcast. That's Z-A-P-I-E-T dot com slash podcast. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.